Welcome into the PHNX Suns podcast brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a five-star review. We greatly appreciate it. I'm Lindsay Smith, and today I'm joined by Saul Bookman, Gerald Borgay, and Espo. Fellas, how are you doing today? Good. I haven't left this room since we finished the post game yesterday, so <laughs> I'm great. Saul has got a mouthful, Gerald? apparently. No, I'm good. I'm just, you know, I was kind of wondering if, if, if Gerald was still trapped in the closet or what was going on behind him. But yeah. <laughs> for anyone who is listening on audio, that's because there is a closet behind me, not because I'm struggling with some self-identity crisis. I was going more with a song reference than I was that. But yeah, okay. Yeah, that'll work, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's good. I'm. Uh, I just changed locales because I'm finally out of health and safety protocols. So I was able to go home and stop quarantining. So we're doing good today. Yay! Congratulations, <laughs> Gerald. <Thank you. laughs> I know that's an exciting time. John E. in the comments right now said, "Hey, thanks for giving me something to do in the COVID testing line." So. I think a Absolutely, lot of people John. can uh, relate to you on that one. <laughs> John, we're sorry, but we're only going one hour, not three. So you're going to have to find something else to do. So spread, spread the love, John. Talk to everybody down that line. Say, hey, open up YouTube. Let's have some fun. <laughs> oh, gosh. Just wear a mask, whatever you do. Um, all right, guys. So let's get into it. Last night, Devin Booker had a little kerfuffle with the Raptors mascot, oh, geez, and it created an avalanche <laughs> of conversations on social. So in case you missed that, uh, Book was upset about the mascot jumping up and down behind the basket during his free throws late in the game, and he asked the ref to make him move, which the referee did. Because of that, Espo, this morning you kind of asked you know, the question, should book just go full heel and embrace the fact that a lot of NBA fans don't particularly like him? Yeah. And that came from the fact that if you look around NBA Twitter, he took a lot of criticism for this as if there was something wrong with saying, Hey, the only guy in this arena, the idiot dressed as a stuffed uh, Raptor is jumping up and down there and it shouldn't be happening, which it shouldn't be. They didn't allow it last year uh, when there were no fans in the stands to begin this season. So I don't know why it would be any different right now. We talked about it on, on the post game last night. You guys said, well, the guy wants to earn his money. Fine. Go earn your money like 60 rows up. Don't do it right behind the basket is my thought. I mean, I like listen, guys. I love. We all know we we all love our sons, and we love all love Devin Booker. But you can't tell me that if it was any other player on any other team, we wouldn't think that was petty as fuck. Like, come no. on, it is. No, it's not, dude. You can't sit there and tell me if Russell Westbrook wasn't upset about the gorilla right behind the basket that everybody, everybody wouldn't be trashing Russell Westbrook. It in an empty arena, I get it. If it's during an actual game with fans in the stands and he does it, yeah, that's petty. I'm sorry. That's extremely petty. And get over it. You're paid to do this. But in an empty arena, it's much different, man. It's totally different. Look, I, I as the tiebreaker, I just thought it was, like, funny. Like, I, I like how people are upset about Book asking the Raptor to move. I like how people are upset about people being upset about – asking the raptor to move like it's a it's not a thing for me i feel like it is in the rule book so i get why he did i feel like that's kind of cp3 rubbing off on yeah, him a little yes, bit yeah. like remember cp3 trying to get people tech teed up for not having their shirts tucked in like that's a hundred percent chris paul right there so i i kind of find that amusing um i get it like if there's no one in the arena one person jumping right in front of the basket is more of a distraction like I get why people are making jokes, but I also don't think it's a big deal that he did it. And the way that he handled it afterwards, you know, they were immediately laughing about it in the huddle after the fact, like his teammates were giving him crap for it too, I think. So I don't, I don't know. I just don't to find be, it that big of a deal either way. To be clear. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I understand why it made the rounds on Twitter, but for mm. anybody that's like <laughs> upset about it, like, whoa, like <laughs> chill. Like it's yeah. not that serious. <laughs> like, like I just, I don't, I don't get that side of it. Like I I'm sitting there and be like, dude, 
that was kind of petty as hell. Like, but I'm not like, oh my God, Devin. You know, I'm not like irate <laughs> about it. You know what I'm saying? But there are people out there that are losing their mind about it. And I don't understand. Dude, find something else to do. Just find something <laughs> Amen else. Amen to that. So, Look, to answer your question though, Lindsay, I think Devin Booker should embrace the heel routine, right? Go full into it. I mean, let's be honest. Kobe did that. There was a whole Nike commercial at the end of his career about how he embraced being the heel. And he loved that the other fans in other cities hated him. Go all in, Devin. Be that guy. Be that irritant. The Suns have never really had that. They've never been a team that has the guy that other teams just hate. And I'm fine with it. Let's embrace the idea of not everybody has to be well-liked and we don't have to be the darlings of the NBA. We can be the bad boys a little bit. And I want Devin Booker to lead that charge. Okay. But my first question is, is like, do we really think there is a large portion of NBA fans who dislike Devin? And if so, why? Like, what is the cause of it's, that? It's because of the antics. It's because of the, it's, it's the visual. It's the visual of Devin Booker. Like, it, like, listen, he was in prime time all of the playoffs last year. And, and we've seen it for, for four or five years now where Devin Booker will, it, it's seemingly a useless play and he'll still argue about it or he'll still, you know, be dramatic about it. And you're like, bro, like, just let it go. We've said that on this show a million times. Like, dude, just let it go. Just play. Um, and so to the eyes of everybody else in the country that sees that just for, you know, 20 games in the playoffs, um, I could see how people were like, wow, oh, really? Like, this is that guy? And just be ir- irritated from a surface level. I could see it. I think it's it's one of those. I think that's part of it, like the the complaining to officials, like this whole mascot thing. He just he comes off as a guy that unless he's on your team, you might not mess with as much i also think part of it is like this escalating ping pong match that like devin booker critics and devin booker supporters have been playing for the last like since he started to be good honestly like because the critics were like well he doesn't he's not efficient or he doesn't play defense or his teams don't win and the entire time was going back and forth with suns fans saying like look at our roster we have nothing he's the savior and so you've got one side that's hyping him up this whole time like god bless devin booker and the other side that's like, he hasn't done anything yet. And now that he's finally doing stuff and his teams are winning, they're going to latch on to anything that they can find because they were wrong about how good he actually is. And so now if something like this mascot thing comes up, they're like, ah, see, this is the type of guy he is. And, and I, I feel like it's a machine that kind of feeds off of both sides, honestly. Okay. Dye that, go- dye that facial hair blonde, go full Hollywood Hulk Hogan and NWO. I want I want Devin Booker to come out and go, you can hate me and it's all right. I can take it. I, I want I want that Devin Booker. Manuel says he should embrace it. That's right, Booker. Embrace your inner Espo. I didn't realize I was the heel of the show, but that's fine with me. Well, you know, you made a comment about me. You know, I, I took friendly fire from you today because somebody <laughs> called you out on your bullshit and you were like, well, it's because Saul wasn't involved. And I'm like, what the fuck did I have to do with anything? <laughs> yeah, come that's, on, what Chris, makes you, that's what makes you a heel right there. That kind Chris of shit. Chris said... I didn't ruin things on the PHNX Sports podcast. Yes, you were surprised. I only ruin things when Saul's involved. (laughs) I don't see what's wrong with that. That makes you a heel. That's what that's that's a heel. That's a heel trait right there. So embrace your heel. All right, I'm the heel of PHNX, and you all can freaking deal with it. (laughs) So we know Espo wants Devin to lean in and become the villain uh, to these people who dislike Devin. Gerald, Saul, what do you guys think? I mean, I don't know. I feel like he's going to be the villain now just because of his relationship, as Gerald kind of alluded to, with CP3. CP3, you can feel CP3 vibes with Booker now. You can feel it. Like, it's there. (laughs) So... It's only going to get worse now because now, especially after this, people are going to start looking for it. And so, yeah, I, I think I agree with Espo. I feel like, you know what? If you're going to go rogue, go rogue. Be the bad guy. It's all right. They, you know, like everybody in, in, in Phoenix loves you. That's the only thing that matters. You go to the other cities, they should hate you. Like that's what the greats do. They hate, they get hated on at every city they go to. I'm okay with that. It's also like, 
I feel like for book, he's the type that he just doesn't give a shit about this kind of thing. Like he, he made his jokes cause he probably knew he was getting roasted. But aside from that, like, and I think that's something that bugs people. The fact that like the criticism doesn't bother him more and that he, you know, he's the dude that was name dropped by Drake before he was on a winning team. He's the dude that's dating Kendall Jenner. Now, like he's in all these, now he's on GQ and all these different covers, all these like, nice cars that he has these old school cars like he's just kind of a trendsetter he doesn't give a shit what people think of him and i think that bothers a lot of people that he's not that he's like kind of immune to -hmm. these type of conversations they view it as i don't want to say elitist but just like a guy that doesn't give a shit so they do look for it and they're going to look for it even more now because of this stupid raptors mascot thing but love and hate pays the same gerald that's an important (laughs) thing to remember yep Sure does. A lot of people try to make the comparison between not only what happened last night, but also as we all remember the 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 summer workout where he was talking about not getting yeah. double teamed yes, and stuff like that, God. like that that kind of stuff, and and trying to equate the pettiness of all of it. Um, which it's just, dude, you're reaching, like you're reaching. Like I get what Devin was trying to do in the in the gym. Now, if I was playing in that gym, I'd have been like, you know, I I, I probably would have said like shut the hell up and just play like if we want to w then we're gonna w like we're trying to win this game too you know like oh, that's how big ever, a ball is have you ever doubled somebody in open gym though uh yeah, i was the when, asshole that did when somebody's on <laughs> fire like yo it's game point and you know this dude's the only one that can score on their team yes i will say uh, a couple times we have we have doubled. I have been doubled a couple times. No, I'm the jackass that takes charges in rec ball. So oh, man. take that as you will. Yeah, that's what causes fights right there. Hey, you don't you, you don't want to, you know, get me to be able to take a charge. Don't wildly come down the Who lane. Who takes that's, a charge and opens on you? It's on you. You come down the lane wildly. I'm going to take that charge. You, you can but suck you got to call right? your own foul. Yeah, I'll call the charge. I'll call it. I'll call a block, and then we just sit here and stare at each other for like five minutes. Okay, so like every day on the show. Okay, I get it. So were you trying to take the charge, or were you just standing there? (laughs) Taking the charge, I was a defensive guy, and taking the charge was the thing that I was very good at. Like, get in position, take the charge. I was all for that. I did that in, in rec league and in league play, all that. That was my thing. So how do you guys feel? Because I feel like we've never talked about this. How do you feel about hashtag ban the charge? Because I'm all for banning the charge, but it's a it's a topic of hot debate, I feel like, in the NBA community. What do you mean? Like it, it like it, get rid of the chart, like no charges. Like oh, contest no. the shot and stop charging. No, no. Oh, I don't like charges. No. It, de- I don't, it depends. I don't like, you know, what, what used to irritate me uh, is in college it started where, like, guys that didn't even have the ball, let's say De- DeAndre's just sprinting down the court, ball's way behind him, and some guy just randomly stops in front of him and takes the charge. Like, what did that have to do with anything? Like, that's, yeah. that's bullshit. Like, I don't like that. But LeBron going full steam, just trying to run people over, like, they had to put the charge in because dudes like Carl Malone were – we're literally sticking their knees up in dudes' faces and just dunking on them, and it was just like, dude, you got, you've got to have some way to stop this uh, to to a certain degree. The thing that's more egregious right now and that's ruining basketball, like EJ points out a million times a game, is the breakaway three on take two, foul. and then the, they mm-hmm. take the foul. Like they need to get rid of that. That needs to be an automatic tech, two shots in the ball because that's ruining the game. I I miss fast breaks. I miss the beauty yeah. of the fast break. Like one of my favorite drills in high school and college was doing three on two, two on one. Like that was like a, a great drill. And we all loved that. It was just, you got to be a little creative and now it's basically stolen from the game. I hate it. The Do you charges- think there's a, go ahead, Espo. I was just gonna say the charge is an art form. You can't ban it. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think there's a world where you kind of get the best of both, where maybe you can limit it in certain cases, but not ban the charge altogether? It's just, for me, it's a dangerous play when you've got, when you try to take a charge and a guy is already going airborne and it's hard to get there, get to the spot in front of a guy before they're airborne. Those are the ones, like if you get there before a guy's airborne and he just like barrels you over that's fine that you can still keep like an offensive foul call, but it's the guys that are like sliding under trying to take a charge while a guy is already going up with like, those are the ones that are 
that guys can get hurt on or that I don't like as much. But yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like you could try to do something, but like Saul said, I feel like the take foul is the more pressing issue in the NBA right now. Uh, Fabio in the chat says, uh, Espo asked for ref reviews in pickup games. I did, but we didn't have any cameras. So. <laughs> no, no, this is what Espo did. He was like, you guys saw it. You guys saw it, right? Like, yeah. ask the crowd, right? It's, it's like, ask it's, the review process. And then there's some dudes that are like, yeah, he totally got fouled. And there's other dudes that are like, man, I ain't fighting your battle for you. It, it was a phone a friend. I, I had somebody in the stands out on the cell phone. I, yeah, here you go. <laughs> All right, my light just uh, took a dive. So, Espo, you handle the next topic of the next beef that maybe we'll see with the mascots here. I'll be right back. I, all right. Host change, it's it's like a, when you switch seats in a car when somebody's driving. All right. Uh, so I want to know. I was I was watching this uh, this mascot thing play out, and we had a couple comments. Uh, somebody saying it was more ridiculous. Here it is. Uh, John E saying the massive inflatable was way more distracting for a moment. I couldn't process what I was seeing. Yeah. A 15 foot inflatable Raptor is kind of weird when there's nobody else in the arena, but I had less problem with that than the actual mascot. But this whole thing got me thinking if Devin Booker is going to embrace the heel, right? He's going to, he's going to do this. What mascot should he have beef with next? (laughs) I want to know out of these six mascots, which should he have beef with next? Benny the Bull, Chuck the Condor, Bango, the Spurs Coyote, the Suns Gorilla, or Boomer, that weird-ass cat that we talked about uh, <laughs> for the Pacers last night. Why'd you put the Gorilla in there? Hey, it's internal beef is always interesting beef, so I had to I had to include something uh, a little a little unique in there. <laughs> I like I I told you guys Boomer has like some weird like orange or yellow hair. I don't know what they're doing with the Pacers mascot. I'm gonna go. I gotta say either Benny or Bango because Bango like there's the Bucks rivalry thing. Like I think they play the Bucks once this season, and then if they saw them again, it'd probably be in the finals. I feel like that would be right for some beef. But Benny the Bull is just like that exuberant mascot that like dumps popcorn on people. So I feel like he'd be a pretty easy one to get into something with if he was like too close to the sun's huddle or did something like the Raptors mascot did. I don't know, man. I feel like it's the condor just because, you know, <laughs> the, the Spurs are not, you know, they're not what they used to be. So they're not as much of a, as a rival right now as they once were. Um, so I would have normally said the coyote. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But definitely the condor now, just because of, you know, last year, the Western Conference and how much we hit everything L.A. Yeah, the condor plus, you know, like Espo said in our chat, like he definitely looks like a, a souped up ridiculous version of Steve Ballmer. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. it's definitely the condor. Yeah. Put the put the image back up, Shane. You you know that that Steve Ballmer was sitting in those marketing meetings going, let's make this thing look like me. But cool guys. And this is his idea of what cool is a condor with knee pads, Chuck Taylor's on and a helmet like that. That seems like the head of Microsoft's idea of what cool is. Right. Uh, Chuck is on my list. Uh, I think it's probably him. But the Spurs Coyote. That's I'm not messing with the Spurs Coyote. You see those eyes they are like green. He looks like he's high on something like like he got a hold of something bad in San Antonio and he's a little crazy. That's not the guy you want to mess with. So he's out automatically. Benny the Bull and whatever. You know, he he is what he is. The Condor and Bango or or where I'm or Bongo, whatever the hell he is. Bango. Bango. Uh, (laughs) Stupid name. They're all stupid names, to be honest. But uh, he's probably where it's at. But I do love a good some internal uh, drama. Right. So if we found out that Go and Devin Booker had this beef. Like Go was dating Kendall before before Devin got a chance, and there's just this this beef, this whole storyline between him and Go. I'd be down for that. What, too. what goes on? Like what goes on in your head? He's just creating storylines. Like, I mean, just like he just sat there and he. This is what he thought of. He was like, "Oh yeah, then then this could happen and this could happen." Like what? Hey, have Kendall? you seen the gorilla's Gatling gun T-shirt? Look, he's gonna bring that thing out. He's got heavy artillery to go against Booker. Like this whole thing could get could get ugly internal beef it's like a soap opera a galling gun like now we're, now we're like shooting at people 
With a t-shirt gun, yeah. Oh, what do you think? Yeah. A mascot's not going to come to a rumble with the, with weaponry? Have you ever been hit by one of those t-shirts? Yeah, it ain't yeah. pretty. Yeah, could you imagine being hit at like point blank range? That shit would no. probably yeah. knock you out. Yeah, the yeah. Simpsons. It happened to Ned Flanders' wife. She died. You got to be careful with those things. It's not. It's serious business. That's a cartoon. I feel like book. for me, uh, <laughs> Chicago's Benny the Bull would make the most sense, just because mm. he's already or they are already um, very mischievous and mm. always picking fights with people. I guarantee. The next time Devin is in Chicago, they're going to do something. Like they are already working on what the skit is going to be oh, yeah. the minute Devin hits the floor for warm up. Surprised, so, you, guys surprised you guys didn't say Rat Leon. <laughs> Rat Leon. Yeah, that's the remember there's a shitty uh the shitty um mascot for the Diamondbacks last year. Remember? What? Remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. The I didn't know that was his name. Yeah, yeah. It was like rattle. Was a... it, it was rattle on, but they called it Rat Leon. So, <laughs> oh like... my god! Oh yeah, no, I missed that so bad. Really? Yeah. Yeah, well, I didn't watch a lot of baseball for obvious reasons. There was One of nothing which... else on. We were stuck in the middle of a pandemic. There was nothing to do. Yeah. How did you miss it? Yeah. You of all people don't miss things like that. How did that happen? Because Bally Sports decided to pull themselves off YouTube TV, and now I got to find ways to watch it. That's exactly what it was. Oh <laughs> uh, God! The I think Lindsay's. I think Lindsay's on point though, because I feel like Benny, like he's he's a mischievous little scamp. Like he's gonna have something planned for when they're in Chicago. I guarantee it. And I think that's an easy one for Devin to lean into as well, because it won't become a huge full blown storyline, because it's it's pretty common for Benny to mess with players. So Mm. it's it's like a subtle way to lean into it without going full blown. I'm gonna be that guy now. My dream is a tag team matchup of Benny the Bull and Bango versus uh, versus Robin Lopez and Devin Booker. Let's just go all in on on taking down some mascots, all right? Embrace the heel. I'd be here for it. I don't know why I did my Ron Wolfley in person. <laughs> Tap into the rage tree, my brothers. I don't know why I went that direction, but it, it's worth it, so... Any other thoughts on uh, Devin and this whole situation before we move on? Anybody who's seriously upset about this needs to take a step back from Go just basketball and reassess their priorities. It's not that serious either way. <laughs> I love that Elon uh, I, has so much faith in us that he says Devin's probably watching and shaking his head. I guarantee <laughs> Devin Booker has a million things more important to do than watch our show. But thank I, uh, you. I did just find Rat Leon on on our social, and I have given it to Shane. So Shane, pull that baby up when you get a chance. It's a beauty. Rat Leon sounds like Chuck E. Cheese's lesser uh, cool yeah. uh, cousin. Like that's exactly what he looks like. I don't know about that one. All right, gentlemen, let's take a quick break because the NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win $280 in free bets if your team is victorious. All customers can also get in on the DraftKings Hammer the Over promotion. For every 5,000 bettors who take the over for Sunday night's Patriots vs. Bills game, the point total will lower by half a point. Hammer the Over has hit zero every time DraftKings has run it. So betters won when the first point was scored. So be sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code PHNX and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 to win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code PHNX this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook. Just a reminder, that is 21 and older only, Arizona only, gambling problem, 1-800-NEXT-STEP, new customers only, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Have you guys made any bets recently? Have you hit on anything? No, I still have 23 cents in my DraftKings account. Oh, no. It's tough to find a good 23-cent bet that you feel real good about. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I feel like you're going to have to upload a few a few extra dollars in there or wait for them to send you out some more um promos or something like that yeah i'm hoping they take pity on me and go oh this guy used to bet a lot of money with us maybe we should throw him a few shekels so yeah maybe we'll get there one day all right so another topic 
of discussion last night was the lack of boards the Suns were able to grab, especially offensive boards. And one topic that we want to kind of dive into is DeAndre Ayton only having one rebound at the half. He did finish with nine, but Devin said post game that the team had to kind of get on him a little bit during halftime and hype him up and just uh, light a fire under his behind. Now, the question is, is needing internal motivation a big deal or is needing your teammates to lift you up okay? What do you guys think? <sighs> this is the problem with DA that a lot of people will keep pointing to about his motor, um, his you know, his demeanor, the way he appears um, to sometimes go through games and just be kind of nonchalant or, or kind of just like uh, too easygoing. Um, and, you know, when you look at one rebound and then you look at eight in the second half and you see two different basically players, it's hard to not deny what people see. I, it's, it is. And that that is the conundrum that is D.A. Like, I, I understand it from that perspective. I will also say this, like, for a guy coming off of, of being in the COVID list, you don't know what he's dealing with or, you know, in terms of, you know, recovery and things of that nature. It, it might take a little bit of like, yeah, you know, sometimes we all need a kick in the ass, right? Like we just do. Like even us, right, on on this show, we have we have monthly meetings talking about our our show. Sometimes they go good. Sometimes it's like, hey, everybody, we need to pull our head as a, heads out of our asses. Like it, it's okay. It's all right. Like it just makes us all better, right? And it, it's all with a good intent. And I think when Devin Booker or CP3 or other players um, do that to him. I think it's all right if 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 they do that and say, "Hey, we need you. You need to step up. You're playing pretty soft right now." I think that's fine. By the way, guys, we need to have a meeting soon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, honestly, I feel like it's totally fine to need a little bit of re encouragement from your teammates. I think the area that you get into where it becomes a little bit questionable is how often are you relying on your teammates to push you and pump you up and be the, the energy creator for you. You know, if, if it becomes something that's that it's that on a nightly basis, yeah. then you have to look internally and be like, okay, what am I not doing that I should be doing that could be able to do this for myself? I shouldn't have to rely on my teammates 24 seven, but occasionally throughout the season, if you're in a slump or if you're coming back from something like Deandre is, I don't mind it that much. Yeah, and that's if you look at like what Devin said about that situation last night, as far as him only having one rebound and then talking to him at halftime and then him going out and having eight in the second half. Um, he said, as a team, we just communicate. We let him know at halftime, and that was said. You have one rebound, and he took it like a man. He went out there and he was more physical. So that's what we pride ourselves on as a team is not taking stuff too personal. We know when we're not giving our all. That's what we have teammates for to come in and let us know. It's the same way, vice versa. You can come to me and say the same thing. Now, I seriously doubt anyone is getting on Devin Booker in the locker room as much as they would a guy like DA. But I think that's just part of having teammates. I think with DA, he is a guy that needs a little bit more prodding. And it's not anything with his motor or his heart or his effort or anything like that. It's just he's a guy that responds well to challenges. He responds well to constructive criticism. And so the Suns, like we saw it last year, especially during the regular season, Monty, if they went into a game and Monty had like a specific challenge for DA, he rose to meet it every time. And in the playoffs, on every night, you are trying to win in a way that you just aren't in the playoffs. You are focusing on specific elements of the game in a way that you just aren't in the regular season. And he rose to meet those challenges the same way. So I think DA is a guy that if you give him a specific task, he's going to take that and that's going to be his focus and he's going to handle it and so I think that's what we saw last night again especially for a guy who hasn't you know played in a game in about two weeks he needed to get that second wind um, he was a little bit adrift in the first half but I thought he really and Monty praised him for this as well locked in in the second half was a lot more assertive was helpful on the boards and so I, I don't think this is a big deal at all I think DA is just kind of that guy you need to keep feeding him you know, carrots, keep giving him tasks, keep giving him something to keep him locked in. And he always rises to the occasion. Yeah. Teams are going to have alphas and, and they're going to have betas. And I have no problem with DA being of that mindset that sometimes he needs, 
needs his teammates to give him. He seems like a, a person that wants to be a people pleaser, right? If you say, hey, I need this from you, he's going to give you everything he can to get that. And that's fine. You need that. And that's why you have alphas on a team with, with a guy like that. If he didn't respond to what they say at halftime and he goes out there and he plays the same way, that's when I have a problem. Like, Or if he takes it personally, that that's when it's an issue. I don't have an issue with the way uh, DA is with his motor. That's why, and I've said this from the beginning, why I like the pairing of DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker. Because people, when the Shaq-Kobe thing was said, people kind of scoffed. But what I think where it fits is Shaq wasn't at his best until he had Kobe. Because Kobe was the guy that would call him on his shit and he'd raise his game to play at that level, right? Shaq wasn't an internally motivated guy to go out there and dominate it. He needed that driving force, which was Kobe. That's what Devin is to DA. And I'm all right with that. That's why you have tandems. That's why sometimes you have a big three that are all making the max because they all fit a puzzle in different ways. You can't have too many alphas in a room because that does not work chemistry wise. I am perfectly fine with DA needing some, uh, some pumping up from his teammates from time to time. Tim in the comments said, I don't think it's a worry. DA was playing very well before he entered health and safety protocols. So I think we need to, um, obviously we're talking about it. I don't think anybody in this group is like, oh my God, what's wrong with DeAndre and by any means. Um, but yeah, as a whole, I do think we need to just give him a little bit of time. Same with Jay Crowder and JaVale McGee, just a little bit more time to get their legs underneath them, their conditioning back up. And uh, they'll likely be back to mid-season form once they kind of recover from that time that they spent away from basketball. Can I say something that may not be well-received either by the crazies or... <laughs> when do we ever not let you? This is <laughs> I just want to ask. I mean, but we, because, we appreciate the disclaimer. Yeah, it's, I'm going heel here is what I'm saying. It's heel time. <laughs> to me, if the Suns are going to, you know, kind of tiptoe around giving the max, try to use these things as excuses why not to pay him this summer, all this crap that could come up and they're not prepared to commit to him as, you know, one, one B to Booker or, or one C if you're still counting CP three as one B deal him. Yeah. Move him at the trade deadline and don't go through the drama. Don't dilute what his, uh, what his value is uh, in a, in a trade. If, if James Jones in this front office do not believe in him, which is what a lot of people try to stick to in their DAA argument, then move him. I think it's a huge mistake, but I think if, if you're going to use little things like this as some condemnation or argument against him for the off season, and why not, to, why not pay the max, <clears throat> just make a deal. If, if you can get, uh, equal value this uh you know, this trade deadline. you know what's so funny is is that you will see twitter uh, you know some, some of twitter hate on da but then they will turn around and say we should trade him for cat or we yeah. should trade him for <laughs> rudy gobert or whoever right the bonus and, yeah. and, and and the person that they always reference is e- either equal or just a little bit better than where da is right now so that that it's it's you can't have it both ways you can't say DA sucks. We should trade him for an all-star <laughs> if you don't think DA is worth trading him for an all-star. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's I, I agree with you, Espo. Like, I don't think that that you really uh said anything controversial right there. They should trade him if they don't believe in him. Like, they should. Like, you should get something in return for what you think his value is on the open market if you yourself don't truly value what he brings to the table. But I have a hunch. That isn't how they feel in the, in the front office. I'd be shocked if they let this man walk or or didn't match an offer or didn't even look at the possibility of trading him if they truly didn't believe in him. Just don't lowball him. Yeah, I, I I fear that might be where we're heading though because I think I don't think they'll trade him because they they know that he's valuable, like they know that he's good, but they're not going to trade him before the deadline unless something majorly drastic happens in the next like month um, because the trade deadline's coming up. And they also know that if any other team makes an offer on him, they have the ability to match that offer. Like they're not going, and the most a team can offer is four years. 
So they'll happily match any offer, even if it's the max, the four-year max for him. They'll happily match that because it'll be saving them money off of what they would owe him on a five-year extension, which is what his camp is going to be gunning for this summer. So I hope that it's not a situation of, you know, they scare other teams off from offering him something and they lowball him using that leverage. I hope that that's not what we're heading that for. Would suck. But it could depend on what happens in the playoffs. Like if he has another amazing playoff run like he had last year, Suns win a championship. Hell yeah, sign, give him the five-year max. You keep him. You don't worry about any of this. You keep a championship team intact. If they fall short, that's when the finger pointing starts. That's when you start to worry about where who has what leverage, what teams are going to offer him, what then we might get into uncomfortable territory. I hope that I'm wrong on that, but I'd be very shocked if they moved him or if they, you know, didn't wind up re-signing him to some capacity next summer. I have this bad dream that occurs every now and then where he gets traded to the Spurs and pop makes him this hybrid <laughs> no, Tim Duncan, no. <laughs> David Robinson kind of dude. And all of a sudden he's going to all-star games and he comes back and he dominates the Suns. And I just, I, yeah. I want to quit life at that point. And, and I'm the negative one. Yeah. <laughs> My dreams are much more enjoyable. I'll tell you that. So code JJM in the chat said, the real question is what will DA look like without CP three? Double, double think? machine. Like he looked with, ricky rubio before cp3 was here like i don't i don't think it'll be a huge impact you may see less alley oops that are effective but he and devin are building rapport i I just i'm not overly worried about it this isn't this isn't like steve nash with uh marchin gortat or you know or stephen hunter like this is a, an immensely talented guy that is is reaching his potential where other guys that have played with CP3 or played with guys like Nash overshot their potential because of the talent that they're playing with at point guard. Manuel said, I suppose dreaming about Kendall and mascots, LOL. No, just mascots. <laughs> no Kendall. All right. Before we move on, I do want to answer or bring up one more comment um, from the chat. So Jam said, Maybe some players are worried about the trade deadline. They seem out of sync lately. How much do you guys think the trade deadline actually affects players? I think it affects them, but I don't think it affects them when they're playing. Like I think they're they're more concerned about you know, they all they're all they're all they all have families. They all have, you know, uh, things that are going on off the court, you know, you invest in your community, you know, like if I was like, let's just say like if I was a DA or somebody like that and I'm hearing trade rumors, then yeah, I, I you know, it, it might bother me a little bit, but I, once, once the ball goes up, you don't start thinking about that kind of stuff. I don't, I would assume I, I, I just, I don't think so. Like for instance, if somebody was like, Oh, you know, sh- we might move Saul from one GM to another other place or whatever. Once the show starts, I'm not thinking about any of that stuff. That's the only way I can equate it, right? You got to take it from the known to the unknown, I guess. And so I don't think players think about that stuff during the game. So I don't feel like it would impact them uh, on there. I think guys that are like in trade rumors or come up in reports, I think they might think about it maybe even during a game, but I don't think that's what's happening with the Suns because they've had, I mean, other than Jalen Smith, they've had virtually nobody come up in trade rumors. And Jalen Smith has used that, honestly, as fuel. Like, he's playing some of the best basketball of his career, trying to boost that trade value. So I don't think it affects a team like the Suns. Like, they know that they're pretty, like, top to bottom, a coherent team. I think they suspect that they would expect that James Jones doesn't do anything major. Whether or not he does, we'll see. I don't think he will. I think it's a, a move on the fringes of the roster if he's going to make one, but I I don't think it's I don't think that's what's going on with the Suns. I think it's just a simple fact they had two starters and a major backup out. They've had guys out all year: Abdel Nader, uh, Frank Kaminsky, like Dario Saric. We had we barely even talked about him, but he was a significant contributor last year, and they don't have him this year. So the second unit is just a little bit different. I think it's just a matter of getting guys back, figuring out the rotation, especially with Jalen playing well, Bismack coming in. Like there's a lot of just pieces in the air right now. And I think that's, it's as simple as that. The the one guy I think that trade rumors may actually be impacting is Dario Sarge, because obviously not playing, he has a lot of time to think about this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And his name's the one that gets thrown around 
every time. Uh, mm-hmm. And and I feel bad for him because he, he it's not like it's anything of his doing outside of the fact that he can't play this year. So mm-hmm. uh, I bet that's the one guy it's impacting, but it's not obviously having an impact on the court. I feel so bad for Dario. Gosh, that's got to be such a tough situation to be in just watching from afar, knowing that you could probably make a pretty positive impact on an already really good team just to take it to that next level. Like that's got to be tough. Mm-hmm. Manual in the chat. Ever since I got traded from the flaming ballers to the Cove crazies, every new budget meeting y'all make me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did try to deal you to the uh, Brooklyn Nets fan group, but uh, we couldn't get anything good back. So we're going to keep you here in the fold for a while, Manuel. Don't worry, Gerald and I have your back in these meetings. We're, we're team Manuel all the way, so you're you're in good hand. <laughs> all right, gentlemen, any last thoughts on this topic before we move on? Good? All right. So just a reminder to everyone listening, children five and older are eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine. The vaccine is the best tool we have to reduce the chances of getting sick with COVID-19. The COVID-19 vaccine can reduce the risk of being hospitalized or dying from the disease. Safe, free, and highly effective COVID-19 vaccines are available throughout Arizona. Visit azhealth.gov slash find vaccine for a location near you. Yeah, be Devin, be like Devin Booker and send that COVID into the corner like you did with the Raptors mascot. You can do that with a shot. So, Sorry, I had to cough there. Took a minute. Um, all right, so our next okay. topic. <laughs> the latest Borgay breakdown on gophnx.com right now focuses on how the Suns could use a return to form from campaign. So let's talk about it. First and foremost, Gerald, can you break down the numbers for us from last year to this year and kind of what you're seeing? Yeah, and I was kind of, my eyes were opened while I was taking a look at these numbers because you look at the raw numbers and you see he's actually increased his scoring. Um, He's playing like about two and a half more minutes per game this year. So it's nothing drastic as far as an increase in his playing time, but he has increased his scoring. His assists are basically the same but everything else is down and it's, it sucks because campaign is a fan favorite. And part of what makes him so infectious is that kind of irrational confidence that he has, you know, when he's taking that step back rainbow three, or when he's lofting these high arcing layups over, you know, the weeds in the paint, it's thrilling when they go in, like he is just one of those guys that connects with the sun's home crowd in a way that some other guys just don't. But the problem is a lot of those shots just aren't falling at the same rate as they did last year. So he's shooting 12 percentage points worse from three. He's shooting 12 percentage points worse true shooting wise. And true shooting takes into account your field goal, your uh, free throw and your three point percentage. So that's bad. Like out of all the players who have a usage rate of at least 20 percent and have played in 25 or more games, he has the fifth worst true shooting percentage in the league. So just to paint a picture. He's bottom five among the guys that are playing similar minutes to him, which is not good. It's not good at all. And their net rating jumps from a plus three per 100 possessions to plus 9.7 when he rests, which is the highest mark on the team outside of Emmanuel Terry, who was on the team for 10 (laughs) days. It doesn't really count. So it's really not been good for him. And part of it is he's just missing a lot of wide open shots, which is weird because last year he shot pretty scorching percentages on wide open looks like he's fallen off as a spot up shooter, as a catch and shoot guy, as a pull up dribble shooter. Um, He's missing more shots from the corners. So last year he shot um, 49% on wide open threes, what NBA.com calls wide open threes. And this year it's down to 31%. That's an 18 percentage point difference on just wide open looks that he's getting with no one within six feet of him. So a lot of it is just kind of in his head, just kind of missing shots you're hoping for kind of a progression to the mean with that because he did have this career year and he's been a 40% three-point shooter since he joined the Suns. But my fear, and I hope that I'm wrong on this, is that last year might have been just a fluke kind of breakout year, and this year is regression to the mean. So I guess my question for you guys before I dive into more numbers and put our audience to sleep is (laughs) – why i mean what have you noticed from campaign and and why do you think that he's struggling a little bit more this year first off Gerald, your sweet sweet numbers don't put anybody to sleep (laughs) it's much needed 
Uh, for me, I, it feels like this is just a, re a regression, right? When you have Cinderella seasons like the Suns did last year, when you come out of nowhere, usually there's one or two guys that tend to fall back to earth after that, right? For the Suns, it feels like campaigns that guy and that last year was the exception and not the rule. And you look at it and you look at his career, you got to remember this was a guy that was out of the league that at one time, so an unnamed source at the Bulls when he was there said, this guy does not have the talent to be in the NBA. He was playing in China. There was a reason for that. And I don't think he's as bad as that. And I definitely don't think he was as good as he was last year. I think we're getting what you can expect from campaign. And that's why point guard and shooting guard, that combo guard position, I think is where you have to focus at the trade deadline as much as anywhere else. I will not stand for this slander. <clears throat> um, all right, listen, if you go back to the bubble, campaign was very good in the bubble, and that's kind of where he got his start and his jump. Um, he was downright dominant uh, in, in supplementing Ricky Rubio off the bench. Like, he was fantastic. Then you wait a couple months, and we start the season all over again, and he was very good, and I would say he saved, saved the Suns in the playoffs. Um, I feel like when you're talking about a 14-month span of basketball, that outweighs just the last couple months. And I do feel like campaign is just maybe a little bit in his own head. He's got the new contract. Um, no matter what you think about that contract or what he thinks about that contract, he got paid. He's, he's solidified as, as an NBA player right now. And I just feel like he he knows that he needs to step his level of play up, and maybe he's putting a little pressure on himself. I see him doing things sometimes that are a little bit out of his typical campaign character. Um, you know, trying to make moves that he just doesn't have in his bag, uh, and and not playing his own game and understanding his limitations. Because campaign, when he understands angles and he understands what he can and cannot do, I feel like is one of the better guards off the bench in the league. But when campaign tries to do too much and he tries to take over a game without letting the game come to him, he tries to force it. That's when he gets into a lot of trouble. And I think that's what he's been trying to do to kind of, you know, uh, solidify what people think about him and, and him getting in that contract. So uh, I, that's that's kind of what I see from campaign. I feel like he's going to work it out. He's going to be fine. He's just going through a rough stretch to start the season here. You talk about 14 months being enough proof, but what about the other four seasons he played in the NBA <clears throat> where that wasn't the guy he was? Like, I get it and how important he was last year, and he was unbelievable last year, but that's just not the fact right now. And the question is, why? Like, is this is this just a slump, or is this more of who we can expect from him? I, I just I don't know that 14 months is enough to make me believe that that's, that is campaign compared to what we saw previously. You know, I, I think, you know, it, it's hard to compare players when they first come out of the – come get into the NBA, especially when you get all the hype from damn near when you're like, you know, in diapers all the way through college, high school and college, and you're the man. Everywhere you go, you're that dude. And then you get to the NBA, and you still think you're that dude, and then it takes a couple years for you to realize – oh, I'm not that dude. Next thing you know, you find yourself in China playing basketball and you're out of the league. And sometimes it's that wake-up call that guys need to really come back to reality and understand how much work and effort you need to put in to getting back to the league. And I feel like that's what he did. He came back. He's. I feel like those are two different players, to be honest with you. You know, like as an Arizona guy, Alonzo Trier got into the league. He lasted two years, got got a $7 million, or $7 million two-year deal, and now he's not even in the NBA anymore he's playing overseas or he's in the G league for crying out loud. Like who it's different players. You just don't even know what, how people players are going to react. Um, you know, once, once they get to the NBA. So uh, I feel like the, the smart ones, the good ones, the, the guys that can mature faster will, will stand the test of time campaign. Wasn't in that space. I feel like he paid the price for it. And now he came back. He appreciates the space that he's in right now. He appreciates the fact that the Suns took a chance on him and rewarded him with a contract. I feel like he's probably just got a little too much in his bag right now. And he's trying to, he needs to let some of that shit out. So that way he can play his normal game and, and do what he's good at, which is control what you can control. And if he plays within himself and he plays within the team context and just lets the game come to him, I think he's going to be just fine. 
I was literally just about to bring this up, but Code JJM in the chat also commented, it's not that deep, fellas. It's simply the spacing. He has had most of his best games with Sarge or Kaminsky on the floor. I was just going to say, how much of this do you think could be just Dario not being out there and them having such good chemistry last year? I, I think it's definitely been because he and JaVale and Monty have all talked about this. It's been an adjustment process, right? Because he's getting used to playing alongside Landry Shamit as opposed to the guys he was playing next to in the backcourt last year. He's trying to build pick and roll chemistry with JaVale McGee, which is a very different pick and roll compared to a Dario Saric when Saric is, you know, popping out or facilitating uh, versus a guy that you basically have to lob it to him and find him in the right spot on his dives. I think that's part of it. I think I, I want to go back to what Saul said too about it just feels like he's kind of pressing this year. And that was something that I wrote about. And I asked Monty and Kevin Young about this over the last few weeks with this article in mind. And they both were saying, you know, like we love the energy he brings. It's infectious. Kevin Young said like when he gets hype and he gets going, it gets me going. Like it gets all of us going on the suns, but like we need to find that line, toe that balance, that line between being an energy guy and bringing that, you know, that downhill driving that he brings and not being reckless because you can see it when he attacks the basket. Like he was an, a below average finisher at the rim last year. And this year he's even worse. Like he just is careening towards the basket at like full speed. And he's trying to get this shot up over outstretched defenders who are taller and more athletic than him. He's flying in hundred miles an hour and he's trying to have the softest touch possible to get it over these guys. That's a really hard combination to master when you're flying full speed like that. And it's part of the reason why he's not shooting well at the rim. He's shooting 49% at the rim, which ranks in the 16th percentile at his position. So that's really bad finishing even for a guy, his size. Um, and, and I think the biggest thing for him is he needs to develop a more reliable floater. Like he only shoots about 33% on floaters over this last year. But if he could add that to his game, he could, you know, get it over the tall guys before he has to, you know, come flying in at the rim at hundred miles an hour. He needs a more reliable floater. I think that would really help because what makes campaign good is his ability to break down defenses off the dribble. They don't have a lot of guys that do that consistently, but if he's going to be shooting these crazy layups that don't go in more than half the time, that's just playing right into the defense's hand. So they really need him to just develop a floater and start hitting a lot of the open threes that he's just been missing. Why is Cam Johnson so important to the second unit? Mm -hmm. It's because Landry Shaman ain't hitting shit. So you have <laughs> one guy on the perimeter that can shoot. Everybody else is packing the paint, and, and he's got nowhere else to go like to spread the floor. When you bring the big out, it opens that spacing a little bit more. He gets a little bit more driving lanes, or he takes that step back because now you're afraid he might drive by you. But when the paint is packed, you got to hope that Shamit or Johnson are hitting their shots from the perimeter. And since one side you can basically just cut off, it's only one. Everybody can kind of you know uh, um, shadow the the other side uh, because that's the the stronger side. So, yeah. And had in the comments with you, so they said Landry Shamit needs to stop bricking everything he takes so Cam can facilitate Word. and not look for the shot. Yeah, and, and that's something Monty said is he's been thinking a lot about the balance between facilitating and scoring, and he just kind of wants him to think less and go out and play. And I think that is part of the adjustment with playing with a guy like Landry Shamit is trying to get him involved and figure out when to facilitate and when to take that floater, that short mid-range shot, which I, I go into all the numbers on the article, but they're not good, and they need to improve because his mid-range game has not been great. Yeah, you bring that up, and Isaiah in the chat did too, but a reliable mid-range game from Cam gives that second unit some of what the first unit has with Booker and CP3. We know that those mid-range shots are available in this offense, and he could help help that group by taking advantage of it because cam's going to shoot from long range as is Shamit. Uh, you know and if if you know pain could be the guy to take advantage of the mid-range that adds something different so 
That's what I think is more the most irritating thing about the DA situation is that they paid Shamit before he even stepped on the floor during a regular season game for the Suns forty million dollars and didn't pay yeah. DA a dime. We, like is it just, I know, worry. I know, I know. One thing doesn't have anything to do with the other. I do, but the way that this man has played right now, you can't sit there and be like, "Oh yeah, that's good money." Like so they far, it's been trash. They, they would have had. They, they would have happily paid it. DA forty million. Don't worry, they would have. Right. DA would have taken it. I get, I get your point as far as like the optics were bad because we were all sitting around waiting for a DA deal, news of that deal to break. It didn't happen, and that was on deadline day. And then we get the Landry Shamit news. I get the optics are bad, but like they're just completely different ballparks. I, I will agree with you. I will agree with you. The contract does not look good based on how he's played so far. I have faith he'll turn it around. But it doesn't look good so far. I, I I'll agree with you on that. It is a tradable contract, though. It's not so yeah. massive that you couldn't move him to somebody that thinks, "Oh yeah, I could make that guy work." He's yeah. he's that ultimate in our system. That guy would be great, kind of guy. Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. Oh man! I was like, "What are you whispering?" Yeah. <laughs> Combo deal. Combo deal. Let's the go. Only, the only hard they can trade Landry Shamit. The only hard part is they have what's called a poison pill in his contract, which is he's making a small amount of money, his rookie salary this year, and then the contract kicks in next year and it's a much larger amount. So it's hard to trade that because based on the rules of how much money you can take in and how much money you dish out, the discrepancy between like the four million or whatever he's making this year versus the ten to eleven million he'll be making over the next four years oh. makes it hard to deal his contract until this season is over. It's not impossible, but it is a lot harder to find a team that can work out a trade like that. God, who who? Oh, never mind. I'm not even gonna go down it. I'm not gonna go down it. I'm just. I'm, I'm not gonna go on a. I'm not gonna have a, a salty moment on Shamit yet. I feel like it's coming to a head though. I feel like it's coming. It's just not, we're not quite there yet. So Saul's like that blackhead that's just ready to burst, you know, when you have those. <laughs> that's an unfortunate picture. <laughs> you picked it. All right, gentlemen. Saul, it's up to you. Speak now or forever hold your peace, at least until the next show. I you sure? To, I have nothing to say about Landry Shamit right now. <laughs> okay. Gerald, no also, anything else on this topic? I'm good. <laughs> no, if you want if you uh, want to read more about campaign struggles and what he can do to overcome them, go check out that article on GoPHNX. But uh, that's pretty much all I got. And I'm hoping I, I don't want that article to come off as overly critical because there is a lot of good stuff in there. I got quotes from a bunch of guys on the team talking about his energy, what he brings to the table, how much he helps them out just by being that third ball handler. The Suns just need him to return to form and they'll be in a really good spot. They have the best record in the league despite guys being out, despite Landry Shamit and campaign not playing that well. Like imagine if they get those guys on track. Before yeah, we wrap that, it up, though, mm. we have a little, little Rat Leon, baby. Oh, dear <laughs> Rat Lord. Leon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sweatsuit? Like, oh, why? yeah. Rat Leon. Yeah. It just looks like they went to Target and bought a onesie. Yeah, Rat Leon. Here we go. You're welcome. For those America. listening on the podcast, that thing is as bad as you're imagining right now. Yeah. It is terrifying. It it's the Walmart version of Chuck E. Cheese. No, it, it totally is. is. It literally looks like they went down to Walmart, bought a onesie, and then found a Halloween rat head and put that together and called it a day. Like, they couldn't have even, like, put a little effort into it. We are Man. retiring the Buscemi, and we're calling wins that are ugly the oh, rat leon from now on <laughs> well, you, can't can do, you can't do that though because buscemi is like a famous guy he's been in a lot of good movies he's just ugly. nobody's gonna and know what rat, rat leon was an ugly mascot and and he was a mascot for one of the worst teams in baseball so that's for an it. ugly so, l a really ugly loss ugly l yes. ugly loss fine <laughs> ugly losses are now rat leons there we go there we go there oh we go. my goodness all right well as Gerald mentioned, if you want to read his latest Borgay breakdown, head on over to gophnx.com. If you haven't become a member yet, please consider doing so. You get to unlock a world of Arizona sports coverage that you never imagined possible. From the Suns to the Coyotes to the Cardinals, we've got you covered all over at gophnx.com. And if you become a member 
of the family, you'll either get a free t-shirt from the PHNX locker or your first month for just 50 cents just for signing up. So uh, go phnx.com one more time. Also, thank you guys for tuning in to the live stream on YouTube today. Thank you for listening um, wherever you get your podcasts. As always, we appreciate your support. Please like, rate, review, subscribe, all the things because it means the world to us. Just you like can- when you vote for Pedro, we will also make all your dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> You can follow me on Twitter at Lindsay Smith AZ. You can follow Saul on Twitter at Saul underscore Bookman. You can follow Gerald on Twitter at Gerald Borgay. And of course, you can follow Espo on Twitter at Espo. Espo, take us home. If you really want to feel like you're part of the family and you get a membership, Saul and I will come over and argue at your kitchen table. We will. Ahoy, hoy.